Hello, listeners. Welcome to this week's bonus episode for this week's reading of First Kings 8 through 9. Well, they didn't talk about porches anymore, so I suppose that's maybe an improvement? Yeah, I I expected from what you had said, Jace, that it was literally going to be more Ikea instructions, but it really wasn't this week. It was some more kind of obscure things, a sermon, mm-hmm. some more talking. I a lot don't know. of talking. A lot of talking. Yeah, a lot of talking. <laughs> talking and talking about how great we are for following God and how great we're not going to be if we stop following God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah, so uh, the first thing I looked up what's going on inside the Ark of the Covenant because we got information earlier that what was inside was the two tablets, stone tablets with the Ten Commandments on them Mm -hmm. and Aaron's budding flowery rod. I think it was was (laughs) was almonds, right? Beautiful rod. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The almondy rod and a little golden pot with some of the manna in it. I guess for for old time's sake, for like a time capsule, for memory's sake. Of yeah, to remember. What it was we were, yeah. we were, you know, reduced to eating in the wilderness. Yeah. And then clearly in this verse in First Kings, it's just like, oh yeah, just the tablets were inside. That's it. Um, however, in the book of Hebrews, which is actually in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews goes on to say that what was inside the Ark of the Covenant was all three of those things. Huh. So a contradiction. We never run into that before in this book. Uh-huh. In the never. Bible. A contradiction. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't really find a good, clear answer of like why there might be a discrepancy here. There's two pre- prevailing theories. The first theory being that like actually the rod and the manna actually. were kept beside the Ark of the Covenant, mm. and they were just put inside whenever you had to move it. And then they were taken out and put next to it. Because I guess apparently there's a verse where you could interpret that really Yahweh's just asking for the rod and the manna to be close to the Ark of the Covenant rather than inside of it all the time. Huh. All right. Again, feels a little bit weak to me. And then the other theory is that when the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, they looked inside and thought that that rod and manna were just so cool that they had to take them. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And left the tablets instead. Which again, I'm like, I don't... I don't... (laughs) I just don't know about that. Yeah, I guess the tablets would maybe. be hard to like steal. They're probably pretty heavy, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. All right, so if this whole thing is both like electrically charged and radioactive, so mm-hmm. no one ever wants to take off the top of it, that I suppose if the Philistines did steal the rod and the mana, which are both light, that no one would notice. And the Hebrews aren't going to open it up because they know better than that. Because, you know, the Philistines probably lost a lot of people trying to get that thing open. Yeah. But it's like, if you took the tablets out, you're going to notice it's lighter. And so you'll suspect something, maybe. But <laughs> That's somebody, my But then that would imply that somebody at this point did open it. It was like, oh, just the tablets are in here. <laughs> oh. What's that? That's weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That is, yeah. Anyway, we don't know. Hmm. We just don't know. And then, of course, it led to this just big old rabbit hole of the fact that the Ark of the Covenant, everyone has their theory about where it is, why it is, what it is, who has it now, how yeah. it got destroyed or not mm. destroyed, or huh. all all that kind of stuff. It is a Was mystery. Was it ever really a thing? I don't know. Maybe there it's was just discu- an a- Yeah. There was discussion of the fact there may have been multiple Huh. You know, one for formal occasions, one for everyday occasions. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Who well, knows? I looked up more stuff that we didn't really get a lot of uh, description about. Uh, namely the millow the millow the, so, <laughs> so i like that it's it's a military thing is what we learned and like a millow fort sounds like a cute it's like a pillow oh, fort, yeah, but yeah, a millow yeah. fort. like a marshmallow oh, pillow fort <laughs> yeah you said that it sounded like something cuddly but <laughs> yeah if you go on wikipedia and look up millow uh-huh it it continues the like we're not quite sure okay oh no thing. even <laughs> sort of it says, okay, the millow was a structure in Jerusalem referred to in the Hebrew Bible, first mentioned as being part of the city of David in 2 Samuel 5, 9. And the corresponding passage in the book of Chronicles and later in the book of Kings. So I didn't realize that it was in Samuel. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. No, I know. It says, okay, however, it previously seems to have been a rampart built by the Jebusites prior to Jerusalem being conquered by the Israelites. So it already existed? I guess. he just kind of refashioned it or refurbished it? Yeah. Perhaps. The texts also describe the millow built by Solomon and repaired by Hezekiah without giving an explanation of what exactly the millow was. There... (laughs) There is therefore some b- debate among scholars as to the Milo's specific nature. The most common assumption among archaeologists and historians of ancient Israel is that the Milo is the stepped stone structure uncovered by Kathleen Kenyon and demonstrated by Elliot Mazar to be connected to a large stone structure, which she discovered in 2005. That still doesn't oh. tell us what it was. Other well, than it I had very steps. recently discovered, though. That's interesting. I know. Well, okay, okay, here's more. In the book of Samuel, the millow is mentioned as the boundary of David's construction while building up the city of David after the capture of Jerusalem from the Jebusites. Do they, get, do they give uh-huh. a verse on that? Do they give a citation? It doesn't right there. Bad research. It says <laughs> the new, sorry, the new King James Version identifies millow as literally the landfill the landfill? That's very different from I'm the like, Pentagon. This is where they threw all the random crap. <laughs> all the stairs we didn't need. Yeah. Well, the New International Version translates it to supporting terraces. <laughs> okay, I could I could believe that because if he's just obsessed with porches on porches on porches, I can yeah. believe him also being like terraces on terraces on terraces. <laughs> yeah. That's true. He's like, okay. I'm going to build a literal terrace house. It is a house of just terraces. <laughs> Okay, Hezekiah's repair of the Milo is mentioned within a list of repairs to military fortifications, and several scholars generally believe that it was something connected to military activities, such as a tower, citadel, or simply a significant part of a wall. (laughs) However, taking into account that the potentially cognate term Mulu from Assyrian refers to... Hold on, hold on. You just said like six words. You just said like six words that I didn't understand. Okay, okay. Siri, we've got one of them. What are the other five? Siri oh. here. Let me know if I can help. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Siri. <laughs> Assyrian. <laughs> no, crap. Oh, my lord. Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stop saying that name. Okay, uh, I don't know. It says cognate, cognate term. Cognate. Mulu. Yeah, cognate term. Mulu, Mulu okay. from. Assyrian. Yes. The Assyrian language. Okay, yeah. Cognate (laughs) is basically a word that both sounds the same and means the same in multiple languages. Okay, so it refers to earthworks. It is considered Mm. more likely that it was an embarkment which flattened the slope between Ophel and the Temple Mount. 
Huh. Okay. I don't know. Maybe sort of a like an erosion, some kind of, some kind of landscaping prevention kind of thing. thing. Yeah, but they think that the excavation that happened by Elliot Mazar uh, directly above the stepstone structure shows that the structure connects with and supports the large stone structure, which is like another thing. Uh, it says the large stone structure was an Israelite royal palace in continuous use from the 10th century until 586 BC. Wait, so for, another palace? So that might be this palace. Maybe this palace. This might be this palace. That'd be the timeline lines up. So what did he do? He built it on a cliff and then had to build this like weird terracy structure to support it? Well, it says her conclusion is that the step stone structure and the large stone structure are parts of a single massive royal palace and it makes sense to the biblical reference to the Millo as the House of Millo in 2 Kings 12.20, which we haven't gotten to yet, as right. a place where King Joshua... Oh, someone was assassinated. I can't read that. Never mind. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Millo is derived from Philly, Hebrew, Milu, Milui. The stepstone structure is built of Phillies. I don't know what Phillies are, except for like <laughs> a baby horse. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was a thinking baby of lady cheesesteaks. <laughs> oh, and cheesesteaks. It was built out of cheesesteaks or horses or maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. okay, wow. That was a lot to unpack, but it seems like, I mean, the timeline lines up because we've said that where we're reading right now is roughly 900 BC. So if this was a palace that they said from, a, what was it? A thousand BC to five hundred BC. That that tenth century until five eighty six. Tenth century. BC. Okay, yeah, in the nine hundreds BC. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense then. Interesting. So they may have discovered part of what made this up. But okay, so if it was there on is this a picture, it's interesting on this big slope where they had this terraced thing going up to it. That also makes sense with the reference to this house is so high. And people are yeah. going to walk by and hiss at it. And they'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It it does look high and there's a lot of bricks. So I'll, okay. I'll leave a picture of it somewhere. Wow. In, somewhere. Uh, <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, in, the for, Facebook, uh, in the Drunk Bible in Study the Fans and group. Fellowship Facebook group. Yes. That's the one. <laughs> uh, okay. So I looked up this thing with King Hiram and him getting the short end of the stick with these Kabul cities. Okay, yeah. so first thing I looked up was Kabul and what that means. And supposedly in Fian- in Phoenician, it means what does not please. So like hmm. a non-pleasing, non-pleasing thing is called Kabul. And most of the stuff, most of the stuff that I came across, gosh, it was just... <sighs> it ran the range from people being like, I mean, obviously King Solomon was an honorable and good guy with tons of stuff. So he wouldn't hold that back from anyone. So this must've just been a misunderstanding, which we can all learn like good communications important. And really just King Hiram must just have not understood what it was that he was getting in this bargain. Which uh, I, I call some bullshit on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, and then other ones were just kind of like, just saying, yeah, he wasn't happy with it. He didn't like these cities. These cities were in Galilee, which, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Galilee is important because it's where Jesus is from. 
Oh, hmm. I thought he was from so, Jerusalem or Bethlehem or something. He was born in Bethlehem. Right, which I think What's might Galilee? be in Galilee. I think Galilee might be the larger region. I'm not quite sure how this works, but Jesus was from there. Okay. And apparently there are maybe some references in the New Testament. We can look into this more when we get there, but references to Galilee being kind of a shithole. So oh, it's possible right. that this was even kind of... Wait, really? Yeah. Yes. yeah. It's like yes. very humble beginnings that right. Jesus cool. had. Right. Huh. That, that maybe from way back, from hundreds of years before, it was already kind of a shitty area. And that Jesus being born there was then, you know, a rags to riches kind of story. He was born on the wrong side of the tracks, I guess. Okay. So that's that's one thing I came across. But I also came across a kind of interesting different way of looking at it. So there's sort of a, a contested view. So the one view is that Kabul means worthless or not pleasing or whatever. Another one is that potentially uh, this word Kabul actually doesn't mean worthless, but it means binding or collateral hmm. in in the Hebrew of the time, I guess. Hmm, I see. Okay. In other yeah, words... So kind of like the down payment... Right. So the theory here is that offering these 20 cities wasn't payment for all the gold, but was collateral until Solomon could make the payments back to him. So you think he did make a payment back to him, like it was more like a loan? That's this theory. This other theory is that it's more that the name has to do with it being collateral uh, and that it was just those cities ended up being called that. And that rather than being an insult to the cities, it was more just, yeah, that's That's what that's what these were. Huh. Uh, it does also point out the fact, though, that King Solomon uh, is from a tribe that's in the north part of Israel, and that these cities are all in the southern part. <laughs> so Solomon's like, oh, yeah, yeah, these are collateral, but they're also not that important. <laughs> they're not that important of <laughs> okay. cities. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I can understand him doing that. But then, so even though with this idea that they were collateral, some still believe that Hiram saw it and was like, no, I don't accept this as collateral, maybe because they were too small of cities or he just didn't like them or whatever. Okay. Um, But in either way, it does seem like he remains an ally of Israel. And so that seems to me like either he got over it or Solomon did eventually pay him back and he just didn't accept the collateral or didn't like it or, or it just was collateral. I don't know any of those. And then the last thing I learned in researching this is King Shlomo is Solomon. Shlomo. Shlomo? Solomon what? is That's King Shlomo. Shlomo what? is is the Hebrew for Solomon. Yeah. Shlomo? Yeah. Wow. So the name huh. Shlomo is Solomon. I had no idea that that was the same. But this this article kept referring to King Shlomo. And I was like, who are you talking about? What is this? And this like, because th- this article uses both King Solomon and King Shlomo interchangeably. So it's like, are these two different people? What's happening here? And I had to look it up. And yeah, that's him. Wow. Amazing. Cool. Wow. Good old Shloms. Yeah. <laughs> good old Shloms. <laughs> yeah. Shloming around. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, that was fun. And we learned maybe a couple things i don't know or just like got a little bit more confused over things but i'm interested to see whether or not we're going to get more action next week remains to be seen but the thing that we do know is that we will see you all next week 
for a drunk Bible study again.